And uh, the finally, uh, I would say the missed opportunity is also an outcome-based financing. That is something that again is a huge uh, it's a huge innovation uh, that can be brought in to the city uh, functioning. But but that is something again we have not done. Hi, I am Naeem Keruwala. I am the program director for the Cities program at uh, NIUA, and you are listening to Understanding the Future podcast. Hello everyone, I am Puneet Gandhi, Senior Associate with the Climate Centre for Cities at the National Institute of Urban Affairs and welcome to the Season 3 of Understanding the Future podcast. I have been working and studying in the field of sustainability and climate change for more than 8 years and I have realised that I have a lot of questions on how we can build cities in India that are more climate focused. With Understanding the Future podcast, I interact with experts, entrepreneurs and government officials to understand what it takes to bring all the different solutions to the ground as well as how can systemic changes be developed on ground. We will further anchor all the topics being discussed with different skill sets required. This will help us understand the future of cities and future of work in Indian context. If you are tuning in for the first time, do check out our previous episodes. Also, don't forget to check out the Climate Practitioners India Network, a members-led solutions-oriented platform for climate practitioners across India. And join it through the show note. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Season 3 of Understanding the Future. I am your host, Punit Gandhi, Senior Associate with the Climate Centre for Cities. And today, we have with us Mr. Naeem Keruwala. He's the Program Director for Cities, City Investments to Innovate, Integrate and Sustain. Today, he will help us understand innovation in city governments. Welcome to the show, Naeem. Thank you. Thank you very much, Punit. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for taking our time. And uh, this is something which is a very interesting topic, but also somewhere it sounds that how do city governments innovate? What is there that, what are we talking about of innovation when we are talking about with city government? Because I think that perspective people still don't have. And I think that would be a good start for this conversation. I think uh, when we talk about city governments, there are a lot of missed opportunities when it comes to innovation. We don't focus a lot on integrated approach. Most of our projects are very siloed approaches in which we have a project idea, we develop a DPR, a digital project report based on the BOQs and SORs and then we do the tendering and the project gets completed. We we don't spend uh, enough time uh, to really plan our uh, projects, to really integrate our projects with you know, other uh, aspects of the city uh, development. For example, when I was studying in Pune, I, I, I remember Visena Patigapat Road would get dug up at least twice a year. And I would always think that why why does it why does it get dug up every year? And I think this is a very common cliched example that every every time I think all of us have uh, experienced. And that is that's a problem that there is no there is no the communication between one department of the municipal corporation with another municipal corporation. So how do we look at the integrated approach of doing things? And again, instead of just uh, being in a hurry to implement, can we take a step back, test our solutions, learn from them? And then scale. Another thing is addressing systemic issues. There are major challenges when it comes to cities. With look, when it comes to uh, I would say two main things. First is uh, human resources, and second is staffing. Uh, there are enough reports which say, tells us that uh, we do not have adequate human resources 
uh, in, in our municipal corporations. And uh, finances, again, it's a major issue. Then we always think about uh, you know, a, more of a project uh, approach rather than a solution approach. We, we, more, we more kind of uh, are driven by, uh, I would say, the, a lot of our work is supply driven rather than demand driven. It's very kind of, let's say, unfortunate that Pune is the only city in India that has like a fully functional participatory budgeting mechanism. Uh, I think it should be there in every city. We should be uh, actually talking to our citizens, learning from them, and then developing solutions around it. So projects, the you know, uh, the problem of an iterative approach, you know, uh, is something that we need to take up. And based on that, we need to kind of have a, a more of a collaborative approach rather than a prescriptive approach. And uh, the finally, uh, I would say the missed opportunity is also on outcome-based financing. That is something that again is a huge, you know, uh, it's a huge innovation. Uh, that can be brought in to the city uh, functioning, but but that is something again we have not had. Uh, I think Mumbai was the only city that even tried to do outcome-based financing. They did it for one year, but they never made their uh, outcome uh, budget public, uh, and then it kind of fizzled out completely. Uh, but that is that is again something that we really uh, these are the missed opportunities when it when it comes to uh, innovation in, uh, in in city governments. No, and I, I do agree with a lot of points that you have said. And HR and staffing issues is something I think that we have also covered in our sequel with uh, Janagra, where we actually discussed one, some of the major challenges with the city government. And this came out to be one of the biggest challenges uh, that any city government has. And you mentioned about the participatory budget or just getting citizens involved more into the process somewhere. I think these, this is something where if they are collaborated in a better way, a staffing issue with citizen participation. This can somewhere be much aligned together to develop better things. So how, Absolutely. what are the things that are being done to also bring more citizens on board? Uh, and what, what can be done? Uh, because that is something which is always a confusion. I think there is a lot of innovation happening uh, within our own ecosystem, which, uh, uh, which unfortunately we are not documenting well enough. Uh, I think a very good initiative is the is the SAR initiative that the Smart Cities Mission has taken up to kind of you know link academia with the yeah. smart cities. Because I remember talking to uh, a few civil engineering colleges, and uh, they have a compulsory course on uh, estimation, cost estimation. I remember municipal uh, engineers complaining about lack of staff, wherein they don't they they you know they they, they face a lot of difficulties in getting the right estimates and developing those. Uh, designs and points. It was a very simple thing that why can't the students from civil engineering colleges, instead of doing the you know they're searching for internships in real estate companies and others, uh, municipal corporation can pay them the stipend, and they can actually do this three to six months internship with the municipal corporation, and yeah. a lot of this work you know you are actually basically training them in municipal governance, yeah. and they get to uh, uh, they get to learn and the city gets like a huge amount of uh, resource which yeah. can actually help them in their day, uh, no, day to day activities so that's uh, that's one of the areas that uh, city governments uh, uh, you know can definitely look at how to really harness this uh, potential of with academia we have such massive number of uh, students we can engage with them uh, right now we are also in in touch with one of the universities so one of the university that we are in touch with they are already working with NHAI on yeah. road safety audits so we are saying, why can't we take 20, 30 of their students and actually do uh, safety audits for the smart roads that we're building under our project. And that actually saves the cost by, I would say, almost one tenth. 
So if I had to hire a consultant, yeah. and by the way, the students are always led by the faculty. So the faculty uh, is like, you know, again, very uh, uh, well experienced people. Yeah. They have they have exposure, they have expertise, they have they have all the knowledge and the tools. So you get two or three faculty members as advisors, and then they are the ones who are uh, guiding the student to do the safety audits. And yeah. uh, we we actually did the we actually did the maths, and we found out that if we had to hire a consulting firm or any you know other engineering firm to do that, it would have costed something like two point five crores. But uh, with students, we can actually get this within twenty five lakhs. Wow! So it's it's you know it's you can you can always uh, work around that, and then you can always hire a maybe a senior person to kind of guide the students yeah. just to make sure that the quality aspect is not uh, 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 somehow being uh, uh, taken uh, taken for granted. So even in my program, in Cities program, we just recently yeah. signed an MOU with the Science Po Urban School in Paris. Uh, Science Po is, the, I think, ranked the second in the world when it comes to social sciences. And uh, we went to them and we said that you know, hey, you have all your students from all over the world. Uh, why can't we collaborate? And you sending your students to actually document the work that we are doing. What yeah. is knowledge capitalization? So yeah. for knowledge capitalization, again, the quality that I'm now getting is actually way better than I would have gotten from a consulting firm. I have nothing against consulting firms, by the way. Yeah. It's, it's just that uh, there is, there's enough in the system through yeah. which we, you know, the consulting firms can get out of. And there is also enough wherein the cities, especially who cannot afford the, uh, the big firms, can obviously always also look at academia. And uh, I don't think the difference in quality is, is that it's that different and some in some places the example with the science for students the, the kind of interaction that i'm having with them is fantastic yeah. so what science school has done is given them uh, one academic tutor one scientific advisor and a group of five students yeah. who are now helping us to document three cities and based on those three uh, learning from three cities of hubli agartala and surat yeah developing a framework on how to do ecological transition through urban waterfront projects how to how to do this through nature-based solutions so yeah. now, because the students come from various parts of the world, they're also learning what Netherlands is doing. So now, suddenly, with the just with those conversations, uh, yeah. the city governments are learning. Okay, one student is saying, "Okay, I'm from Netherlands. This is what is happening in Netherlands." One is from Brazil. One is from Argentina. Two are from France. So yeah. uh, 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 the scientific advisor is from India. The other person is also working from Africa. So now we have this multidisciplinary uh, team. Uh, which is documenting a, a research project. And again, the cost, I think, is again, I would say one thing, even while wow. working with Science Po from Paris wow. compared to a, a consultant. So, yeah. and we are getting really good quality, and the students are very enthusiastic. They're yeah. going to come to India and they're going to work with us. And it's also uh, good for the university because they are providing them with a live project yeah. as part of uh, a live government of India's project. And uh, uh, they get to learn. And for us, we get a really good quality product. So I think that is one very important innovation that uh, is definitely required. How do we how do we link it with uh, 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 the academic institutes? I think when we when uh, yeah in the smart cities mission when we talk about the quadruple helix, I think the academia part is still it's, it's still something that we have not really harnessed it uh, uh, completely. I think that's why NIUA also now is partnering a lot with many educational institutes. Uh, we are partnering with the Indian School of Business uh, for the 
leadership in climate change management program. We are partnering with Science Co. We are partnering with Symbiosis. We are partnering with IIT Rupi for the basic program. Many, many other academic organizations we are partnering with now. And I think this is the same thing from NIUA, from the central level. Even the cities on their own can harness the potential of those universities and colleges within their cities. Which would help them also not completely eradicate the problem of staffing, but somehow find that middle path or a short gap arrangement that okay, I need people, but yeah. I don't have enough money, so I yeah. do a collaboration. Uh, I collaborate with the university and get my things started. So yeah. you know we have to look at what is my short term, medium term, long term solution. So the long term is to fix the issue. I'm probably emphasized on it enough, so I won't get into that part. Yeah, but uh, the short or medium term could be these uh, these kind of collaborations, and we have already we have already shown that you know this is possible. For example, in my uh, institute's project in Puducherry, we signed an uh, agreement with SPA Delhi, and the students from SPA Delhi actually went to Puducherry and helped them design some of their uh, housing projects. Wow. So there are enough number of examples where you know the students have contributed to like real life designs, which which yeah. you know which which could uh, which are very uh, which are very useful. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree, and I think uh, most of the Europe is leveraging that fact and developing themselves. Having have studied there and I have worked on such projects in Europe itself, where somewhere or the other you are helping their corporation, and something India has absolutely missed out on. And somewhere that is the R and D that we also need to make sure that we have more uh, India centric knowledge base. Uh, somewhere because we can't really uh, you know ride the wave with their knowledge base, but, and there is a, quite a lot of financial benefit to do this thing as well. But somewhere uh, when we are talking about city uh, projects in general, they might require a much bigger finance in terms of implementation. Of the project design is one part of it where academia can come into it. From the implementation point of view, how does uh, this things function out? What is the financing things that will need to innovate on its own so that somewhere these projects are able to sustain themselves uh, what are the things that uh, uh, we are thinking about on those lines so i think one of the important uh, missing puzzle of reforms for innovation yeah. uh, lies in a very boring detail uh, and that is uh, how do you how do you make sure that the procurements are right how do you give flexibility in procurement uh, to city government yeah. So all of us know that a typical project, the cycle would be like you make a DPR. In the DPR, you have bill of quantities, and the bill of quantities is being assessed according to the schedule of rates that is decided by the state government. Yeah. Now, what is what all is there in the SOR will happen. What yeah. all will is not in SOR is basically unscheduled items. Yeah. For which there is there is a gray area in terms of how to get that approved, and that. You know, kind of rests a lot on the leadership. If you want to take that leap of faith, or if you want to kind of take that risk or not, to bring in some unscheduled items in your uh, procurement system, so yeah. that is that is something that we really need to uh, focus on. How do we how do we give this flexibility to the uh, to the yeah. city governments to procure and not not be bound by uh, you know very straight jacketed approach? So, for example, in Amravati, in cities program. Yeah, uh, we said uh, we said that uh, they are developing Anganwadi's and schools 
uh, with a very innovative way. We, we introduced something called a Bala model that is building as a learning aid. Okay. So the kids should start learning even while interacting with the premises. Yeah. Uh, so very, very beautiful example about it. So our architect Kabir Dashtai has worked quite a lot on this. So even when you, when kids open the door of the classroom on yeah. the floor, they can see when the door is opening, how, what is 90 degrees, what is 60 degrees, what is uh, 30 degrees. So just while yeah. playing with the door in the classroom, they're actually learning geometry. Even on the railings of the windows, they put beads. So huh. just when they're sitting idle, they just start playing beads and they're actually doing maths. Yeah. And uh, even while uh, climbing the stairs or even with the play equipments uh, in the in the playground, everything is basically simulating learning uh, in, their, in, their, in their minds. So that is a beautiful model. Uh, but now when we started working on it, uh, Amravati said, but most of the works that you are, you are asking us to do is not in the SOR. And to get unscheduled items yeah. included, it's a, it's a painstaking process. Unfortunately, not many people want to take that risk. So yeah. we said, okay, let's work on it. Yeah. We worked with them, took some time, but we were able to get that done through an innovative procurement process. Yeah. So we'll have to find innovative ways. So that will, that L1 approach is not something that will drive innovation. I, uh, recently, I was in a meeting with the French ambassador uh, and there were CEOs of French companies yeah. and they're presenting some of uh, innovative clean uh, tech solutions. And uh, uh, one CEO said that, you know, do you think we can replicate some of this in India? I said, uh, I, I highly doubt it because most of your solution are maybe 5x or 6x or 7x to what a typical solution would cost in India. So how do we how do we work around that? So I said, if you really want to drive innovation and if you really want clean tech to be used in India, don't sell the product, sell the technology. Because then the startups here can reverse engineer it. And that is something that has been done. I mean, I know uh, startups uh, that have uh, brought down the cost of biomass pellets by one uh, one tenth. Uh, they, got, they went to the international expos, got the biomass pellet machine, reverse engineered it made it into the localized version and now they are selling it at one tenth the cost and even that one tenth cost is expensive in india so if if you really want uh, uh, you know uh, for indian cities to use clean tech you cannot sell us super expensive uh, products sell us a technology and based on that technology we can then further uh, innovate so for example we are just uh, about to sign an agreement with efficacy it's a uh, it's a french company based out of paris uh, it's partly owned by government of France and partly by the private sector it's on a PPP mode. And uh, they have developed the world's first energy mapping software. And uh, they are even planning to kind of uh, make it mandatory for all European uh, uh, Union cities, uh, cities in the European Union to use this energy mapping software to basically manage the grid, the power grid, and make it more efficient. Uh, they have spent millions of uh, uh, euros on this. So me and director NIUA, uh, we went to meet them in Paris and we had multiple rounds of discussions with them. And now they have agreed to basically contextualize this software for Indian cities. So they said, okay, we are private sector at the end of the day. We can't just, just give it for free. So they said, okay, we are going to give half of the money. That is half a million euros, half a million 
AFD can give as technical assistance to us. So in a million euros, we make the entire software and give it to you. So we, we contribute, but we also have some financial assistance. So rather than we going and buying each software uh, or the model of the software, they said, we'll give it to you for a million. And then we'll contextualize it and then people can just keep and replicating it. So that is that is the solution we need to go. Uh, you know, we need we need to have that. Okay, you have a software, you give it to us. Similarly, you have a machine, you give it to us. Give us a technology. Don't say that. Okay, this is the product. You have to keep buying this from from us, and you have to keep doing the keep buying the maintenance uh, 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 and spare parts from us because that is not sustainable for our city. So that is also one one area that we really need to focus on uh, to drive innovation. How do we get technology transfer? Uh, where, where technologies are available rather than actually just invest in buying products. Now, that is something that, that needs to happen at, at the national or the regional scale. And at the, uh, again, at the state level, we need to uh, have flexibility in our procurement. We need to bring innovation within the procurement uh, process. This cannot happen from the central level. This has to happen at the state level. And at the local level, we need to uh, basically incentivize innovation. Unfortunately, forget incentivizing innovation. We kind of disincentivize innovation in a way, unfortunately, uh, because the focus is always on uh, utilization of funds. The process is uh, physical progress. So we are always in a hurry. The, the clock has started within six months, one year, you have to finish the project. Innovation takes time. And when you are innovating, you need to have that, you know, kind of uh, flexibility. You know, that, that does not mean that, you know, innovation means that you keep going in on and on forever, there has to be some time-bound approach. But let's say if a typical project takes a couple of years, innovation can take maybe, I don't know, two, four years, five years. So that cushion has to be provided to the cities also that, okay, you have this flexibility to do this innovatively. Because innovation is always going to take a bit more time than your regular uh, uh, aspect. So these are some of the more, I would say, process-driven things that needs to uh, that needs to change to really drive innovation in cities for example i'll, I'll give you uh, amritsar project that we're doing in cities program so amritsar's project was about replacing 12000 diesel autos with electric autos very pure procurement plus subsidy program through cities program we said we will do a maturation phase it was a 24 step process each city each of the 12 cities in the cities program were required to do that and we'll give you a three-tier uh, mentorship uh, uh, model in which we'll have a one international mentor. So Mr. Michael King was the international, is the mentor, international mentor for Amritsar. We'll give you a domestic expert. So Pranjali Deshpande is the domestic expert for Amritsar. And we'll give you a pool of transversal experts. These are basically consulting firms uh, whose on-demand service you can avail. Instead of saying immediately that the project is approved, now start uh, implementing. For one year, you are not allowed to implement. Basically, think, develop a project logical framework for your program. Develop a results-based management tool for your program. Conduct environmental and social impact assessment. Develop a stakeholder engagement plan. Conduct stakeholder uh, meet at least four meetings. Develop scenarios for the programs, for your projects. Discuss it with the stakeholders. Develop a staffing plan. So basically, that will help in formalizing the IPT sector. So now imagine 12,000 auto rickshaw drivers in a cooperative society. That That's a huge amount of uh, uh, you know public sector formalization that we're doing. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, transport, uh, uh, intermediate transport sector formalization that we're doing. 
Now we said, what is the benefit for an auto rickshaw driver to be part of this cooperative society? One is yes, they are formalizing. Second, we said the female family members of each of the cooperative society's uh, 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 members will get free vocational training. So basically, an electrification program became a social innovation program. And now the women are getting uh, free vocational training because uh, the, uh, the, their male members are now uh, part of the uh, cooperative society. Now we are saying right now 100% of auto rickshaw drivers uh, in, in Amritsar are men. There is just uh, one woman who is driving uh, auto rickshaw, uh, uh, e-rickshaw and that too I think started uh, a month or so ago. We are saying through this vocational training, let's start introducing women drivers also in the, uh, in, uh, uh, in, in, in the sector. So some of the women can also choose to learn how to drive e-rickshaws, e-autos. So that is another change. Then we said, what is the issue? Uh, uh, earlier, the idea was that most of the charging will happen at home. We said that's not sustainable because some people live in areas where you know charging infrastructure is. It's not that good. So now Amritsar went to Amritsar Improvement uh, uh, Trust and went to Amritsar Municipal Corporation, and now they have uh, selected 28 locations and they signed an MOU with EESL. They are going to put charging stations across 28 locations. Then we said, what about access to credit? Because the subsidy amount will be certain percentage, rest of the amount will be loan. And also what should be that loan amount and what should be the EMR. So that again we started discussing because that was not being thought of earlier. But when we went on detail and said, okay, let's do the calculation. Not more than three to four thousand rupees per month should be the EMR. So for that, what is the kind of interest rate? What is the kind of uh, period uh, that, that needs to be with that? So the state government then went to SBI and negotiated with them and said, okay, the current market, the current market rate for financing EVs is actually much higher. It goes upward of 15% or something. For Amritsar, they signed an MOU with SBI to say that it will be somewhere around 10%. So they brought it down. So that is another innovation. So that's a huge amount of innovation that from a pure uh, electrification subsidy program, it became a social transformation program. So that is that is the kind of innovation that is required and that happens. When you give this time of maturation plus mentorship, you will you will have uh, cities innovate, but you also need to provide that handholding support, which I think the cities program is doing. And this is what we are also going to do in cities 2.0, which will focus on climate uh, responsive uh, urban development in the country. And uh, uh, we will we will again we are, we are expecting around investments of around 3,500 crores in cities 2.0 uh, on, on on similar lines. And again, there will be a mentorship plus maturation model that we'll adopt and we hope that this model can be replicated even by the states and the cities within their uh, own uh, programs as well which will actually drive innovation because to drive innovation you need that guiding uh, you know support that okay someone is telling me if i'm going wrong so uh, you know you have an you have an engineer you have an architect you have a planner and they all are thinking in a certain way but a mentor sometimes comes and gives you a much larger picture and asks the relevant questions what about this are we are we Really doing uh, the other uh, really in the right direction. So that is something that we really need to also focus on. No, absolutely. This, this is this is quite fascinating uh, to know. And if there can be a framework like this which can help across cities, I think this framework is now currently being used in Amritsar. But has this been developed in a way now that it can easily be replicated across India? Because I think that is where uh, the crux of the uh, things lie to innovate in cities. No, I, that's that's an excellent question, Puneet, and that's what we are working on right now. 
So we have developed a project development uh, guidebook, which was launched by the Honorable uh, Union Minister for Housing and Urban Affairs, which talked about. So we are not just not just giving the framework, we're also giving the templates uh, in that guidebook that what is a good DPR, what is a good feasibility report, what is a good environmental and uh, social impact assessment report, what is the process to get environmental clearances from MOFCC, and uh, what is the process to let's say get a coastal regulation zone clearance. Everything from start to end, how to develop a stakeholder engagement plan and reviewing those templates. Now, then we realize this is at the project level. What about the neighborhood and the city level? So now we are working with another uh, expert to actually develop uh, 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 an overall guidebook on how to create a livable city. So we start from the city level to bring it down to the neighborhood level. And then we come down to the project level. And after the framework, we are actually giving them the templates in terms of how to actually do this. What should be the chapters? It's I mean going down to that level. Okay, what should be the chapters uh, when you when you actually develop a DPR? And we work with multiple partners for the, uh, for this program uh, for developing this toolkit. We had uh, uh, internal uh, uh, support from NIUA as well as we work with the French Development Agency with this French company called Espelia. We work with SEPT uh, University. Uh, we work with this company called Efficacity in France. Uh, I think there are more than uh, I would say ten different organizations, global organizations that have helped us in developing this. So that guidebook is already out there. But I think that overall uh, city and neighborhood and then project level framework, along with the guidebook and the templates, will be available. I think in another few months, and we're also kind of converting it on into a course, online course on uh, project development through cities model, uh, which will be available on the national urban learning platform. So that. But again, we are planning to launch it by the second half of this year. And the next very important aspect of innovation is asset management uh, that we need to focus on. That once you have designed, you have developed, you have implemented, we always see the upkeep is not good. I think all of us have again faced that, you know, some really good public toilet was built with all the fanfare that, you know, this is a really good model toilet, uh, public toilet. But after a couple of years, there's no maintenance. It's, uh, sometimes it's locked or even the smart toilets we see some places you know they did a fantastic work in actually uh, installing them but many of the places they are locked or they are not the keep is not happening so how do you do asset management so that is another module that we are working on and uh, we have uh, we have recently signed up an agreement with a university uh, a civil engineering as well as infrastructure management uh, university uh, and we are going to work with them to develop a module on uh, operational maintenance and asset management of uh, municipal infrastructure so that that kind of you know we will close the loop that how do you create a framework at the city level how do you make a plan a local area plan at the uh, neighborhood level how do you develop a project what are the templates you use to develop that project then how do you uh, manage that asset and along with it also a monitoring and evaluation plan so you know how do you keep monitoring it and at the end of the uh, uh, cycle how do you evaluate it and for that we have actually developed the innovation matrix it's a three-level indicator in terms of uh, how innovation should even be kind of monitored. So that innovation matrix also uh, that the city's program has developed has been used as a best case practice by the French Development Agency for all the global programs. Uh, I mean, they are, they, are, uh, recommend, they recommended it for the other programs. There was a meeting that there was called with all the other staff and they explained what NIUA uh, has, uh, the city's program has done uh, uh, for developing this monitoring evaluation strategy. If you go on our website, uh, NIUA's website, as well as our city's program website, you can actually download the project development toolkit as well as the monitoring and evaluation workbook. 
So it's a workbook. It's actually, it has uh, working sheets within that workbook. You can read, you can start uh, filling in those uh, details in the worksheet. And by the time you end the workbook, you have your project logical framework for your project ready. So we are developing this 360 degree model into a one, uh, I would say, uh, if I can use for the lack of better word, a textbook for, of, of sorts for project development. And then also a video course module, which any, any city manager or any uh, uh, official can learn from and then uh, kind of uh, uh, replicate it. And uh, if they have more questions, I think uh, NIU is mandated is 4,000 plus urban local bodies. So we are always uh, happy to uh, support any city that would want to learn from this or replicate this. Absolutely sounds amazing, the amount of work that has already gone in. But uh, as much as I would like to be happy about it, I, I do see, uh, and where do you foresee a lot of implementation challenges to bring this one up? Because this is something we have created systems. We are creating now process. But I think all of us have gone through that phase of implementation will become somewhere the challenge uh, to make sure that this has the best course of time as well. Uh, so where do you see those kind of things picking up? I think uh, Puneet will have to initially just look at those few islands of excellence and uh, create those workable models and uh, then, then provide platforms for peer learning. Because if you and me tell, uh, 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 you know, say this to a, a, a municipal commissioner, the municipal commissioner might just feel like, yeah, obviously you guys are not in my seat, so you don't know what I go through. So you don't know what you're talking about. This is just expert or consultant talk and not, not really uh, uh, hardcore something that, you know, is uh, replicable in my city. So now we have shown in 12 cities that this is possible. Uh, in through cities 2.0, we are going to work with another 18 cities. So we'll have like a, uh, I would say a very good use case of 30 cities which has done this and delivered on it. And then we need to provide the platform for peer learning. So let's say commissioner of uh, Surat can actually talk to commissioner of Amritsar and discuss how they work and they both can learn from each other. And similarly, we need to create those platforms. And that's what we are planning. We are also trying to do. We also have a peer learning uh, kind of uh, a program wherein we bring the city teams from uh, one uh, each city and then we invite other cities to learn from them and ask them questions. So we right now it's happening at a very, very micro scale, but we want to kind of expand it and make it much, much uh, bigger. That's why we have, we have also kind of collaborated with the World Economic Forum and uh, through World Economic Forum, through the city sprint processes is exactly with what we want to do along with them to bring in more partners, provide these platforms at local, regional, national and international level where cities can learn from uh, uh, each other. So that is, and I think once they, they see that my counterpart has done this thing, I think, and this is how they uh, overcame the challenges. I think it will be much more easier, the, I think, the uptake. And apart from that, the implementation challenges, I think, uh, will always uh, rest on leadership. So we need to, that is again something we are, we are building, we are, we are helping. Uh, so like I said, the earlier one, the leadership and climate change management program is actually going to do that. It, it is going to try to build, uh, uh, you know, the kind of uh, provide the tools and templates to work up these challenges focused on the leadership. Yeah, that absolutely sounds amazing and I hope uh, we are able to succeed to this level as well. So last question I'll come down to is this is this is a huge project in itself. What are the different kind of skill sets you are looking at to drive such kind of project? Uh, because it's not just national level but city level as well. 
Now again, that's a very interesting question, Puneet, because uh, skill sets is something that we have focused a lot on. So when we launched the cities program, I think the first OM that went out of the ministry was on skills, and we said, if you want to start this project, you will only get the money once you have hired people with these skill sets. So we developed them and we sent out to all the cities. One was environmental and social safeguards officer. You need to make sure that all your compliances are uh, are there. Uh, environmental safeguards are taken into account. Second was public engagement and partnerships officer. Technical wing you have. We know that every city has a technical wing. So we are not saying you get a civil engineer and this this that. That technical wing you obviously have. Engineering wing you obviously have. But get a public engagement officer, and we saw that the role of this ENS and public engagement officer tremendously changed the outlook of the projects. Because when you have a full-time public engagement officer, obviously they have deliverables, right? And the commissioner is asking, "Yeah, isko bithaya? What is what is this person doing?" And suddenly they start going and you know engaging with the stakeholders. And uh, through this, actually, through cities program itself, we have reached out to at least one lakh people, and that is not just a survey or you know uh, 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 getting a a form field. These are detailed discussions with more than one lakh people that have happened to design the programs. Why? Because we had a dedicated public engagement officer whose job was to actually do this, and that completely transformed the uh, programs. For example, I was talking to the CEO of uh, Chennai, and he told me how. When they started engaging with the students, they realized some of the schools didn't want a, a, a cricket a, a ground or a, a football ground. They actually wanted, let's say, something like a volleyball court, which they never thought about, never thought of. But they voted something like that. And most of the times, they were actually building sports infrastructure which catered only to boys. But when they started talking, the girls came in and said that, you know what, this all the things that you do. It's always taken over by the boys. We don't get space to play, and then there was a constant, uh, actually, I would say, very conscious realization that hey, we are not doing the right thing. We completely missed this out, and then they started saying, okay, how do we make it more inclusive? That is that is very important. That you need these skill sets of people uh, of, of a public engagement officer, of a social safeguards officer. Of an environmental safeguards officer, and then we said we need a uh, overall urban management skills. I I am of the opinion that we need more urban managers in this country, and we we need to kind of uh, build build upon that. So a project in charge who is an urban manager who knows how to manage things, uh, and then obviously based on uh, your uh, program uh, or based on your project, you require technical skills like a landscape architect or a conservation architect or other other other. Uh, Other skill sets that is project specific, but a project in charge with uh, general management skills, about uh, environmental so environmental safeguards officer, social safeguards officer, and a public engagement officer. This we said is required for everybody, and we said this is compulsory. You have to bring those people in, and now we have uh, a project, a dedicated project in charge, a dedicated environmental and social uh, nodal officer, and a public engagement officer. Across all our twelve cities on a full-time basis, so that itself I think uh, helped a lot. And because what happens is suddenly the commissioner or the you know other staff is saying, "Yeah, this person is sitting full-time, and uh, uh, you are working on one project. Now do one thing. Let's why don't you engage with people on this project also? So they don't realize, but now they are doing public engagement for five different projects, which was not happening earlier. But they are not they are doing environmental screening for other projects also because this person is sitting there." So this is the kind of uh, uh, you know kind of reforms that we have written, and uh, if I if I have to say this, 
this is this are the kind of skill sets that we need to really drive reforms apart from that and one important also is somebody who understands monetary and valuation that is again very very important so that person actually pushes to do, uh, move towards outcomes and not not just uh, financial and physical progress so that is these are the i would say some of the key skill sets that are uh, that are required uh, uh, within uh, within a within a city to really innovate and then i mean the list is endless but uh, these are i would say some of the key focus thank you so much for your time this was absolutely good to talk to you and get your perspective on all these different things thank you so much thanks thanks puneet and thanks uh, to the entire cube uh, team for uh, starting this podcast thank you for tuning in to the podcast do subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and follow us on all social media channels for more details about the climate center for cities and registration on climate practitioners india network click on the link in the show notes the episode is conceptualized and produced by punit gandhi a big thank you to the whole team at cube and niua for supporting the development of the podcast stay tuned for the next episode